And we're back. We're back again. I'm going live Sunday. Gone early. Because uh, this week I decided to take notes down throughout the week. So I could come back, have a little look at them. And see if I could maybe get a little bit more structure to the show today. So anyway, um, well, just going to throw it out there. Uh, the front rowers, they, they obviously listen to this show. You know, obviously we're a fan favourite amongst the front rowers. Obviously, because they listened and they got on the scorecards this week. So I'm uh, obviously going to go over the, the front rowers this week. Uh, but also, yeah, a few other things we're going to talk about. Uh, but yeah, hope, hope you guys enjoy the show. Righto, so this week we're obviously going to kick it off with the front rows, as we do, or as we should, you know, pay respects to the front rows, they'll add a platform, you know, that they, um, you know, they essentially give us a game, and without the front rows, we ain't got no game. So, uh, we got Spencer Lenny, scored the first try for the front rows this week. Now, the thing is, I threw, I threw the shout out there for five, right? But they weren't going to leave it to anyone else. They, they said, okay, the course of five, but I ain't going to leave it for nobody else. So Spencer Lenny got over the line. Josh Aloe got over the line. You know, Joe Ofangawe, he got over the line. Siwa Tariaho, he got over the line. That's four. And I'm thinking, fuck it, it's the boys have responded. Then Nick Minnette, Sam Lissoni from the Gold Coast Titans, he finds himself over the line. Then we got Herman S.S. over the line. And then we got, in the Melbourne Storm vs. the Dragons, we got Nelson Asafasalamona. He's got himself over the line. Now, there was a couple more that got over the line. You know, for the front row, getting over the line. He's probably not a front row, but, you know, at times he can play in a front row. But uh, Jack the Balance, special mention. We'll give him a special mention. You know, scoring himself a try. Another special mention. Oh, I'm not sure if he's a specialist front row, but no doubt about it, this year for the Melbourne Storm, he will be playing the middle third of the football field. Chris Loyero. Loyero. He obviously got himself a try. So special mention. Uh, unless he is a front row, then he's in. Once you're in, you're in. And then we'll see if we got any in the last game. No. No, none of the Sharks and the Warriors. But that's all right. We've got a... We've got enough front rows in there this week, and, you know, I'd love to see a lot, a lot of all the front rows to get on the scorecards again. So how many do we have? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. With Nelson Asafa Salamona. Seven front rows to score his tries. Beautiful. Gotta love that. We've got to pay respects. And, and that was the thing that I've been always, I've always said about them, is that when you recognise them and you give them reason to be recognised, they will shine. And it just makes the game better when front rows are scoring tries. So, special mention to them. Now, things that have to stop, we want to try to put a stop to. Um, now, if there are any more out there, you guys got to wave it because I didn't see him. But I seen you, Hudson Young for the Canberra Raiders. You're in the dummy file. I seen you go from acting half, dummy half there, close to the trial line, trying to get one. None of that. You're in the file, and you'll be keeping. We'll be keeping an eye on you for the rest of the season as well, Hudson. All right. So make sure. You know, if you guys do see any bloody bastards getting out of acting half, trying to be sneaky and they don't score the try, let me know. I'll make them. I'll fix them. I will sort them out. All right. Now, there's a few more things that I wanted to chat about that I did take take note of. I don't know how long each of them are going to take. 
So I don't know how I really want to... Well, to be honest, how I do every other time, I just do it in order that I want to do it. So, Cam Murray. I said, oh, fuck, wasn't that a good win there from the Broncos? Got a love with the Broncos. We got to love it when South Sydney lose anyway, but when the Broncos beat him and they let Reynolds go up there, they beat him twice this shit. No, I can't laugh. You know, us roosters, we can't laugh, but we're going to laugh, but we can't laugh. But, uh, you know, it was good that uh, the Broncos beat them, man. I fucking, I, I fucking love Adam Reynolds. He's always been a gun player. He's always been just like um, the Cooper Cronk style, we call it. You know, for stop for lack of creativity and variety, um, you know, can't avoid the cliche as they say. Um, he's like the Cooper Cronk stars, and he's been good at it. You know, I I love people doing what they do well, great, the best, top two, top three, top four, top five. You know, if the top five is deserving of high quality standard, then fucking as many as there are. And anyway, he's always been in that category, game manager. Um, you know, Chad Townsend actually said today he likes to look at himself as the link between the coach and the, and the team. And that's it. That's what he does really well. He takes the the game plan, give it, give it to him, and he executes it. Puts in the USB, plugs the USB in, and gets the team going. Um, but just there was a moment in that game that I saw that just epitomises rugby league to me. It epitomises why Cam Murray is the best standing in the game. And it doesn't mean that... Tomalolo and Goodwin, he's at his at his greatest. And Isaiah is, you know, doing wonders at the Panthers. You know, we always talk about them. But Cam Murray, for me, is the one who epitomises it the most because he is actually probably outside of halves. I feel like he's the most well-rounded, and even probably including halves, but like without the halves aspect, and even though he probably does create a little bit himself, He's the most well-rounded player. And it's like, the roundness is just, like, when I, when I usually say roundness, it's usually 8 out of 10 for things. He's 10 out of 10 in everything. 10 out of 10. Like, he is X-Factor, but he's still the guy who's got to clean up the dirty ball. You know, he's the guy who's got to, you know, clock up thousands of tackles and thousands of carries and then he's also going to have post-contact moves. He's also going to have line breaks. So, like, he's 10 out of 10 out of that. He's 10 out of 10 at making lots of tackles and putting shots on. Uh, he's 10 out of 10 at creating, creating line breaks, um, scoring tries. Like, he scores tries at a high rate for locks as well. 10 out of 10 there. But there's this moment where he he made this... He took it to the line with a, with a support runner, managed to poke his nose through it, so there's a mosquito. I'm going to kill it. Beautiful. Uh, he pokes his nose through, gets an offload to Taff. Taff hits it. You know, he's still got to beat the fullback and then he gets tackled by the fullback. Maybe five metres out from the trial line. Five, ten metres out. And then... Cam Murray, instead of just like laying on the ground, fist pumping, going, fuck, what a ball. He's got up. He's almost been there to support the guy because he was first to take the hit up. So maybe not first there, but he was there to take the hit up. Straight after he's made the line break, he's had to take a hit up, one off the ruck with no uh, push on the outside. And he just fucking takes it on like he is a front rower. And he just goes hard as he can. And then the Broncos. And then this is also what makes it 
bloody footy. One of the Broncos players just come out, his name was Hetherington, and whacked him. Just got him an absolute beautiful tackle. Like when I envision how you have to tackle these days and the most dominant, and it's one of those timeless types of tackles because when you get this tackle right, you turn the ball over. And you just bang, you whack this guy. And Murray just like got up, was so cut that he dropped the ball and he got smashed. But he got up and walked back like nothing had even happened. And that that is what it is. It's like you're, you can be one of the best players in the competition, but you can still get laid out. And it doesn't mean he ain't gonna get he ain't gonna lay others out. And he's, of course he's gonna get laid out. He takes those types of runs all the time. And so yeah, that little moment there from Cam Murray and and footy in general. That's what I love about footy is it's it's skillful, it's got some craft to it, but also it's got some brutality to it. And and you have to actually mesh the two aspects of the game together to make an actual game, because that's what the game is. And that little moment there, I thought, was to say, to, uh, you know, appreciate the game. Um, another thing that I sort of probably picked up over that over the first few days of the weekend was, sorry, I don't want to bag, bag Shane Flanagan, because, you know, I'm sure he's, he, he doesn't mean what he says on TV, because he sounds silly. I'm not sure if anyone's noticed that, but he, he actually contradicts himself or is just played out wrong. Now, one of, I can't remember the one where I thought he was absolutely just wrong, but one of them was, one of the things that he said, which he doesn't, you know, if he were to think it back, he probably wouldn't say it like this, but he does these things all the time. So he said something about the Parramatta Eels, or one of them, I'm pretty sure it was Parramatta Eels, are not playing as if they're 30 points in front. Or however many points there were, a few points in front or 10 points in front or whatever. No, it was the Tigers. Sorry, I apologise. I apologise. It was the Tigers. And they were down. They were losing by like three tries or two tries. And they're saying, oh, they're not playing like they're down by that many tries. Well, they should have been because it wasn't long to go. But they actually were playing like they were down by that many points because... They went from one end of the field to the other end of the field, going from sideline to sideline. So I'm not sure. Like, ideally, you would love to be able to play like that all the time, but that's probably not um, what you would be doing if you were, if the scoreline was different to that. You know what I mean? Like, like, come on. Of course, that's what they were trying to do because of the scoreline. So, um, yeah, he's got a. He, I'm just sorry. I'm not. I'm just saying, listen out to it if it might annoy you as well. So, uh, But another thing that I did hear from a commentator that I actually thought was quite a tough was people on the radio. So like Joel Kane, firstly. Joel Kane, I feel like I agree with a lot of what he says because I feel like I think similar to him when it comes to footy. He's always looking for like little hacks and things like that. And he always predicts like how rules and that can be manipulated, which I feel like I do all the time too. So, um, and there's just all these other things where he has these things that he says and I actually think it's it's quite, you know, on point. So, uh, SEN, though, they're on. And uh, Scott Sattler was actually the one that I was going to. He was talking about uh, British players and the legacy that they've left over here. So it's got me thinking, like, 
how would I describe the top of players that come over there? And the ones that are at the top of the list, obviously, are like the Sam Burgess, James Graham, Gareth Ellis, Adrian Morley. Um, oh, who else? You know, people before our era even. And they all sort of have that similar attitude. Like the this way, the way that um, the British players play, like it's like supposed to be like a a rough and tumble type of game. Like there's supposed to be almost a borderline little bit of violence. I know that might sound absurd, but that's what rugby league is about. A bit of violence a little bit. And sometimes uh, it gets a little bit physical, you know, sometimes back in the day, you know, like in the north, like think of this, like in the north of England, like it's it's rare that there ain't a fight in the north of England. In a footy game. Because there's always... Every team has that one hard nut that's looking for the fight. And every team has at least one of them. In the north of England. You know what I mean? You can probably find a few teams like that around in park footy. That's standard procedure in the north of England. Like, that is how the game is played there. And so a lot of the guys that do end up getting to the top of it have all conditioned that ideology as well. And then the ones that come out here still carry it because that's why they're so good. It's because they're hard cunts. I'm sorry I keep saying swearing and that, but that's just how I describe them. And Sam Bird, they're like redheads. They're like angry redheads. But all of them, and not all of them, but, you know, ones that I tend to love, that's like the Sam Burgess and the James Grahams and the Adrian Morleys. Um, and so, yeah, I think, like, that's how those... Those English players are there. Oh, Jeff, it was about Thompson. I haven't seen Thompson lose it yet. Is it Luke Thompson for the Bulldogs? That's who he was talking about. He said he was he's probably uh, playing in an era that is 10 years too late. And it's like, nah, that's how they play in the north of England. That's standard prac is like, yeah, borderline violence. <laughs> Borderline violence. Um, but then there's some other players. Like there's this guy who plays for the Tigers. I think his name is Gilgard. Gildard or something like that. Uh, he scored a try on the weekend for the Tigers. He, as the first time I've seen him, was this year, like the first game. And I thought he was okay. thought he was all right. And then like you can see he's still got a lot to improve. Still got a lot to improve. But he is probably, you know, if he performs at his peak and his top end, he's definitely an NRL player. So that's sort of the vibe that I get off him. Uh, whereas like that Dominique Young, he's obviously the the, the, the the Caribbean influence of England and stuff like that. So he doesn't have that Northern England type of mentality where he's trying to take heads off. He is just the bigger athlete that loves his footy and he's good at footy. And I feel like, yeah, he's come over and instantly, NRL standard, winger, good player, will make an impact the further the more games he plays. Whereas Gildard, he's probably killed it over there in the Super League or done well or whatever, but he's come out here. It looks like he's come out here to make sure that he knows that he can play NRL and still has to probably, uh, he's not a guaranteed pick every single week for the Tigers. That's what I that's all I'm saying. With Dominic Young, he would always be selected for most teams across the NRL as well. Um so yeah, that's sort of how I would describe most what's his name? Freaking the John John Weinberg, I call him, but it's not Weinberg. John Bateman. 
That's it. He was a hard nut. Man, what a nutter. And you know, like, so Hodson doesn't doesn't have that violence in him, but you know that he played amongst violence. You know what I mean? And same with Whitehead. Whitehead doesn't doesn't necessarily get too caught up in it, but grew up in it, understood how it is, and knows where to keep an eye out because he grew up playing in that Northern England style of violent rugby league, which is, which like, was it an era ago, obviously. It was an era ago, but it was exciting to watch. Like, it's, that's why it still exists up there. You know, enough about the English guys. Uh, who else did I want to talk about? Was there, was there one other thing there was? Obviously, we still got to get to the Roosters. We'll get to the Roosters. But just before we get to them, there was a shoulder charge there from Lindsay Collins where he got sidbinned, where initially it looked like a tackle that was a fair tackle. And they were going to give it a knock on. But after the replays, you could tell that by the letter of the law, it was a shoulder charge. And I, I somewhat agree that by the letter of the law, it is. It is, but I don't always, I've never agreed with how they decided to define a shoulder charge. I never agreed with it for moments such as this, where it is it is safer for the defender in, in this instance to probably go with a shoulder charge, but I get that they can't, they can't um, differentiate that this is shoulder charge even though it's softer than the shoulder charge that they didn't worry about. Because why well, I say that is we everyone they all know how to tackle now. So they're not trying to shoulder charge. They know they're gonna get penalized if they shoulder charge. So they actually are lifting their arms and I feel as though sometimes this is why I never liked the rule this is the up reason why I never liked the rule. It's because your arm can get get um stopped by the defender next to you, your teammate. Which is what happened there. And then, you know, like, it blocks. So you haven't been able to get the arm around to wrap it. You would never have been able to use the arm to wrap because the defend your teammates there. And that's how you're supposed to tackle anyway, is to hit at the same time. And so they've hit at the same time so close to each other that the arm of the shoulder that hit him isn't actually going to wrap around the plane because... The def- his teammate is there, wrapping, using his arm to wrap around him. And you're wrapping, you've smacked him. And so, so the shoulder charge wasn't dangerous, wasn't even high, I don't think. Um, it just was part of the action, and he dropped the ball. But he dropped the ball because it was a tackle. And uh, I just, like, I just think sometimes these. They always have to try and just have like a line to define it just so they have an out of deciding why they came with their decision. But then that decision is sometimes wrong. And another example of where that is the case is with the obstruction. In the Parramatta Panthers game, there was a try from Brian To'o that got called back because Liam Martin got to the outside shoulder of Dylan Brown, which I think... For obstruction like that, that that's why it can't be black and white. It can't just be like, oh, if you get to the outer shoulder, because Dylan Brown actually has no accountability there. All he needs to do is make sure his outside shoulder gets impeded. So he doesn't he doesn't have to uh, hope that Liam Martin gets the ball. He just has to tackle Liam Martin. And if they pass it to him, well, he's going to tackle him. But if they don't pass it to him, he's going to tackle him. He's going to get in the way. And that's just, that's exactly what happened there. It was that 
Well, he hit him, whether it was intentional or not. It didn't impact the play. He got he got there. They say he would have got there earlier. No, he wouldn't have got there earlier because he would have moved slower because he would have timed it that he was there in time and then Toto stepped him. So he actually beat him back on the other side. So uh, it's just, well, I suppose you could almost argue that he had to run faster so that allowed him to step back on the inside better. But he was always going to score there. Like, he got there. The idea of it is that he can't get there. He got there. He overran it. And so, I, um, yeah, I don't think they have, the, that's why it's, a, I don't think that's why, I think that's why it's not a good idea, sorry, to make these things so, like, this one or that one. It should, it's like, for me, I've always said that an obstruction should be noticeable on the field. If the referee didn't under, didn't, didn't see an impediment, then no, try, try. It should be called live. If you felt there was it would look too easy, or it seemed wrong, say no try. Let him challenge it. No try, challenge. Um, <clears throat> well, you can't you can't take the try back, can you? So you got to let it play on, and then you send it up. But. And then interpret it and talk and discuss. Have the on-field guy discuss with the with the bunker guy. Let the bunker guy take that data, take that information. He goes, oh, okay, I know you're thinking that, but I'm thinking this now. And he's going, okay, yeah, sweet, I get you. You know, that's allowed to happen. Instead of just going, you're now choose. And it's like, well, sometimes the benefit of the doubt is for one thing, but where they needed the where the benefit of the doubt actually played was for a different thing. Silly. Silly. Um, so, yeah, you can't you can't necessarily take the video ref away from rugby league these days, but you, there's so many other things that they can tweak that they can make it better so they can, you know, increase the amount of decisions that they get right, as, which is the reason for it. Like, and sometimes I whinge and moan about it and say, oh, if it can't be perfect, get rid of it. But you can, it doesn't, it can go from 50% to 60% to 65% to 67.7% to 80%, to 81%, you know what I mean? If that's if it increases like that, that's good. You know, it's better than 0%. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, that's 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 where I think the bunker, obviously, we already know the bunker's going to stay there. They should also, they need to bring in the offside line as well. They need to bring that in. I can't believe that hasn't, they haven't paid for that package yet. All right, now we'll finish up on the Roosters. Thanks for making it this far. Uh, Roosters, uh, better performance. Obviously, we like scoring tries. Joe Manu tried to, you know, get involved. He wasn't able to get on the scorecards, but he, you can see he was trying to push to get involved. Cleary and Walker seemed to look a little bit freer. And after the game, Cleary did say that they dropped a few things. So, meaning, I think maybe they might have had... You know, probably a few more things to worry about previously, whereas this week they had less things to worry about. I think uh, they looked like they had less on their mind, uh, but also the Titans didn't play very well at all. They dropped a lot of ball. They made a lot of errors. They've, you know, they're still a work in progress as well. So, you know, it's a bit... So, yeah, last week I talked about how, you know, 50-50, your team's in and out, you know, five out of ten years they should be making the top eight. Uh, the Titans are one of those teams that are probably going to be, you know, in it for one year, out of for the next, in it for two years, out of for the next, in it for one year, out of for next, whatever, you know, um, where the better teams are making that two, three, four years in a row run, 
regularly. They might miss it once or twice in 10 years as opposed to, you know, in four years. <laughs> um, yeah, so the Titans, they didn't play very good and it made the Roosters look a lot better. It's one of those ones where you probably would have got it last week where you sort of just get back into the winner's circle. Um, but it's saying that, you know, that that week that loss last week has actually got to seem a little bit costly because at the end of round 10, we have the Mac Building Group round 10 game where uh, historically uh, only two teams drop out of the top eight from there. So only two teams will make it. So six of them are submitted and that's where we discuss who's going to you know, fall and who's going to come up. Now, the Roosters are in the top eight at the moment. Okay, but they play the Parramatta Seal this week. And then I think they play Melbourne or the Panthers the week after. And that's, and, and this is round, oh, actually, they play Parramatta this week. So they might still be in the eight. This is, so I thought of this obviously before we played the Titans and thought if we lose to the Titans. So it's actually a good one. But I also still feel like if we had that extra two points from the Bulldogs that we shouldn't have given away, um, but we have now, we would have submitted our spot in the top eight and I wouldn't have said that we're one of the teams that you know needed to actually fight back to get in. Like if you don't, if you're out of the eight by round 10, you're in trouble, man, because... Only two of you are going to make it now. Only two of you. So you want to be in that top eight, obviously. But at the end of round 10 is where it's at, where we're looking at. Uh, so, yeah, just uh, keep an eye on that. Magic round this week. Um, yeah, but back to the Roosters. Up against Parramatta. We don't know the full squads just yet. Obviously, it's on Sunday night I'm doing this, and that ain't coming out till Tuesday. So... I think Parramatta have probably got a little bit more consistency than us this year. Uh, they've got, obviously, rock-solid defence. Uh, you know, Panthers almost got away with it in the end, but Parramatta done the work early on to, to hold them off at the end there. So they deserve that win. They played well. And as I said, uh, they needed to bring the bring the energy for the whole 80. They needed to come with that, in, that, that intent to get physical. And, you know, in hindsight now, it looks a little bit like... They were looking at the week ahead because uh, they put the sh- they put the show on, they put the show on the road, and uh, maybe the Panthers are looking at the week ahead. You know, they could have been looking at the storm grand final preview, as you could say, um, for Magic Round. Now, this Magic Round, um, yeah, I'm a bit worried about the Roosters. Hopefully, we can still stay in the eight after this weekend. Because you, you don't want to be outside the top eight after the back building group game. Because you're in trouble there. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how we're going to beat Parramatta. I feel like of of the past, we felt comfortable against Parramatta. I can't remember if we beat them, if they beat us last year. But I always feel pretty confident against Parramatta. But right now, I don't actually feel confident in the Roosters. I feel like, you know, a poor performance from the Titans actually allowed us to get the score that we've got. And, you know, at a period there, we probably could have, probably could have um, missed out there. Missed out there. Um, also, another thing that I actually wanted to talk about. Raiders. No, not Raiders. Um, Warriors versus the Sharks. Now, the Sharks got down to 11 players at one point. So, they got someone sent to the bin for that high tackle that I explained. TikTok. I might have to. Man, that was a good episode. I know it's one of those ones that I can't. But if you 
yes, and it's on TikTok, so it's hard to listen to, but I swear it was actually a good one. I spoke about the high tackles, and that was one of them, was that, that old-fashioned coat hanger. Like, that back in the day, day was always in sent off, sorry. And then it somehow turned into a nothing. Turned into a nothing. I'd say I said about Moses. So anyway, that was a send-off. But again, also that's for the neck safety, not for the head safe. For the head safe, that's the neck safety. That was always a thing for the neck. Um, and similar to like Tupo, so he think like Tupo, like he didn't even go off the off the field, and now Kenny's sent off. Like so, sometimes you forget, you know, like it doesn't seem so bad if they just put Tupo to the bin for ten. Then maybe Kennedy might have got ten. Maybe I don't know. It's always going to go from the field. Uh, but then, so they had 12 men, right? Now, 12 men. <coughs> so the Sharks, they've got to work extra hard because they've actually got to get a guy to play fullback. So that takes a lot of pace out of your front line. So he goes to fullback. And then, uh, so they're down a man. So their forwards are working extra time. Now, my mate, Tommy, He's, hopefully he listens, listens randomly. If we if we send him the link and tell him what's on it, he might listen. So, but he gets a mention this week. He talks about how teams sometimes, they don't really reconstruct the defensive line. So he feels as though, just generally speaking, obviously taking, you know, circumstances, you know, case by case. But usually just the fair images. So there's four middles and four on each edge. So there's 12 in the front line, the one at the back. That's the 13, right? If you have one player get sin binned, you just take, you actually have three in the middle. And so the middles are now just working that extra extra yard. And at times, this is probably where you'd have them, where the fullback, if they're able to, to try and find themselves in the line where they can. Just for that 10 minute period, right? Um, so when someone gets sent to the bin, I set off, sorry, for the game. As a Warriors team, well, the Warriors are the ones who have the 13 players now. For me, they, you know that that's how they have to work now. So their middle has to work overtime. Their middle has to work overtime. It's in the first half he got set off, I'm pretty sure. Well, it doesn't matter anyway. But the moment that they're down a play, you just stick to that middle. You stick to the middle because they've got to work extra. Why? One. Now, you might, you don't also need a score. So, I felt like the Warriors, especially when they got down to 11, they felt they had to score. When you don't, you don't actually have to do that. What you need to do is start working on that gas tank. Make them work, make them work. Because what you do, first of all, is when you start working at that gas tank, you start impacting their offense. So, they're not as potent an attack. And then you keep working, and then once their attack goes, they're only relying on their defense, and then they start to scramble. And in the last 10 minutes of the game, you've they're, they're gasping for air. Because so are you. You had 13 players. So are they. You've made them work overtime through the middle. It's in the last 10 minutes where I reckon you start to really, really pay the dividends there, right? And then they had another guy go to the bin. So they were down to 11. So even more so, like the amount of holes that just start to open once you just pour through that middle. You just make that middle work. Now, it was a center and a a fullback that went off the field. So you already have a forward defending out in the backs, out wider than he needs to. 
So you've got them short through the middle and you've got them slow on the edges. You just keep pushing through the middle. Like you don't actually need to score the try. And I'm sorry if you guys can hear a cat meow, but I've got to try and get them out of here. Uh, but that's how I'll do it. It's just middle. Go on, mate. Middle. Pile through. Make their forwards work. Make their forwards work. Make their forwards work. Over time. Over time. And just keep piling through. Patient. Stay patient. Make sure you're solid in defence. Pile through that middle. And then in the last 10 minutes of the game, that's when they start to open up. You don't need to try and finish them off. With 30 minutes to go in the game, like, just make them work, man. That's all you need to do. And they will start to crumble. That's, and so like, some teams might get it wrong defensively. I think a lot of teams offensively get it wrong because they try to, yeah, try to score instead of try to look at the long-term game there where you can make them work extra hard, keep the ball in play and make them work extra hard. But, you know, it's easier from where I'm standing, I suppose. Oh, uh, yeah, so the biggest match next week... Uh, will be the Panthers in the Storm. Cracking matchup. Uh, disappointed that Pappenhaus has gotten injured and he won't be there this weekend. But the Melbourne Storm, that won't bother them. That won't phase them. Next man up, as they say. I'm not sure who they'll have at fullback. Will it be Meany? Not sure. Um, will it be Husey? Not sure. Will it be Munster? Not sure about that either. Uh, could be Munster, actually, because they could put uh, Cooper Johns in there. They might move Harry Grant to the halves. Don't be stupid. Or they might just chuck Rod Wishart's son down there. Forgot his first name, but we all know who we're talking about. So, yeah, it'll be an interesting game. Uh, obviously. And then the Roosters and, and the Parramatta Seal. Um, yeah, I'm not as confident as I usually am. It's standard, standard procedure. What you got to watch out, you know, four-pack versus four-pack. Uh, our back three last week for the Roosters was good, but uh, I think they'll probably get over the top of their back three. But Gutha, he don't give a fuck who you are. Oh, yeah. Also, I've said it a million times, but with my boy, Penasini. Penasini for the, for the um, Parramatta Seal. I like it. I like it. Keep an eye on him. Anyway, uh, just give a quick shout out to the Boston Celtics. 2-1. They're down 2-1, sorry. In the series against... Uh, Milwaukee, Milwaukee Bucks, Giannis, they almost managed to pull off, set it into overtime, got a little bit cheeky, that's how you got to do it, I suppose, uh, last little play there for the Boston Celtics, but hopefully we can come back from Milwaukee with one more win to tie the series, heading back, heading back home, but it's uh, looking like uh, Giannis is getting on top of us in the series, so, you know, special shout out to them, uh, front rows, we're looking at you, hopefully you can get on the board again, baby boy, anyway, that's us for tonight, peace. We out of here. Oh, happy Mother's Day.